Hey guys, Abel here back with another episode of the SSD podcast. And in this one, I was interviewed on someone else's podcast, and that is my buddy Sotak Andre from the Muscle Engineer podcast. And he asked me about my recent shredding diet over 12 weeks to get to the leanest condition I've ever gotten into. We went really deep and we discussed the very specifics of this diet, so that might be interesting for you. And we also got into how life has changed for me since 2017, where even though I had the knowledge back then, I could simply not crack the code of staying lean and stay in the condition year round that I've always wanted for myself and how I changed my lifestyle and way of being since then, which actually allowed me to actually not just get lean over a short fat loss diet, for example, but actually stay lean and how I needed to embrace my limitations, learn what my culprit foods are and how all of those things were necessary to quit binge eating, falling off the wagon constantly, and how I needed to recondition myself to finally regain trust in my self-control and my ability to stay consistent with my nutrition in the long term. So if you're someone who feels like even though you have the knowledge and in theory you should be able to succeed with staying lean and truly live the quote-unquote fitness lifestyle but for some reason your impulses are always pulling you back into the negative habits that are keeping you from reaching this goal then this episode is going to be super valuable for you so i hope you will enjoy this and it will actually be valuable for you and without further ado let's jump right into this episode abel welcome back once again to the muscle engineer podcast Thank you. Always a pleasure. Sweet. So you have become a bit of a mini sensation in our very, very large circle of <laughs> evidence-based fitness. I'm kidding. <laughs> but yeah, so you posted some very, very impressive uh, photos and you have arguably made your most successful or completed your most successful cut up until this point. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, most successful in terms of getting the leanest, uh, definitely, yeah. Um, it's funny because it just hit me the other day that, because um, I'm making some YouTube videos at the moment kind of explaining what I did and why I did it, and it just hit me that um, in the beginning of this cut, I thought that I was way leaner than I actually was, so I thought that at 85 kilograms or so so what is it 187 pounds or something i was sub 10 percent body fat and i thought you know what i'll just diet for four weeks maybe and at the end of that i will be like photo shoot ready like i will be pretty diced and maybe i'll go down to 81 82 kilos that will be really solid and then as I documented it, it ended up being more like 76 kilos. Um, <laughs> granted, that's with some muscle loss. So maybe if I did everything perfectly, it could have been, you know, 77, maybe 77 and a half, something like that. Because I definitely did end up losing a bit more lean tissue than what was inevitable, I think. But anyway, uh, the thing is, is had I known just how far I had to go, I probably wouldn't have even started. So in, in mm. that, that case, ignorance was bliss in my case because I really thought that it will be like a four, maybe six-week shortcut and then I will be like diced. And it's like, well, it was more like 12 to 15 weeks or something like that. So, mm. But yeah, definitely the leanest I've ever been. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, right now I'm reading the Total Record book, Arnold's autobiography, I guess. And I, I was just highlighting a page yesterday 
And there was a point where he was saying that uh, he made some huge investment. He bought some uh, apartment complex and stuff. And there were he had this friend who was always like who was always basically seeing the downsides or potential downsides of a situation. He was saying that listen, you're making me worry. Let me be like a puppy. Arnold was saying like, let me just you know find out in what I'm <laughs> I got myself into when I'm in it. I don't need to think ahead or, or don't need to worry too much because too much worrying can freeze you. And it's funny uh, that yeah, now you also mentioned this because it's probably true in a sense. So when did this whole process start or like feel me, feel us into your last maybe six months? Like, because I know you've been dieting like on and off for a while. And then uh, I thought you you would maintain or or uh, you would start to gain some muscle. Like where was your story point, I guess, in, in this whole fat loss phase? And when did you decide to turn it into a full-blown photo shoot prep? Yeah, so basically how it went is in last year, so in 2018, I finished a short cut that was maybe like six weeks, and uh, that was in late October. So pretty much as we are speaking now, like that's when I started a, a lean gaining phase. And at that point, I was like, you know what, I'm the whole getting lean and having a good six pack thing. I've been there, done that. I don't give a shit anymore, to be honest. I just want to hit PRs in the gym. I want to max out on my lean body mass amount or L, uh, fat free mass index finally. And this is going to be a year of gaining. And then I went on pretty much a dreamer bulk is what I would call it. Um, and honestly, I look back at it with no regrets. Uh, I gained a lot of fat and I documented that on my YouTube channel as well. Like I put on over 10 kilograms in the course of maybe four or five mm. months. And I honestly just felt like I this is something like I missed out on in my entire training journey. Uh, everybody pretty much who has been lifting for a good good while will tell you that, yeah, earlier on I made the mistake of dreamer bulking a bit too much, putting on a bit too much body weight, getting overzealous with the calorie surplus. But at the same time, that's when I made most of my best gains. And I thought, you know what, I've always been a chronic dieter. Um, I was always too concerned about staying lean. And maybe this is what my body actually needs to get to the next level of muscularity. Like going through a really nice, juicy, very loosely controlled bulk and just eat and train a lot. And yeah, I pretty much did that. I trained a lot, high volumes, hit a lot of PRs in the gym, and I went up over 90 kilos, something that I've pretty much never been in my life unless it was some short period of uncontrolled binge or something, and then I immediately hmm. bounced back down to a leaner stage. So I went up there, did it, and then concluded that, well, I put on a lot of fat and not as much muscle as what I would have hoped for, uh, which became evident because after that I did like a, just a very short, like five-week mini cut, which was very assertive. This would have been last or in April, pretty much. So from early April till like late to mid-April or early May or something like that. I don't have the timeline exactly. I did a short cut, pretty assertive, dropped four or five kilos, and then concluded that, well, during this dreamer bulk, I put on about nine kilos of total weight and maybe one kilo of muscle. So, okay, this clearly mm. didn't work out. But anyway, did it, was not too upset with the end outcome. And after that, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to slowly gain from here or maintain. I don't. I wasn't too concerned about leanness or anything like that. And I did that up until about June, July. So the next two or three months after this mini cut, I was kind of slowly gaining slash gain-taining. And after that, 
you know, the summer really hits, uh, especially here where I'm living in the Balkan area. The summer gets crazy hot, and honestly, my appetite just kind of dropped naturally. Uh, I wasn't really trying to forcefully lean down or anything like that. I just didn't feel like eating as much, which I think a lot of people experience that in the very deep summer sometimes. Plus, a vacation in Sicily was coming up, so I was like, you know what, if my appetite is going to drop, might as well drop now, and I will be a bit crisper for this holiday. So I went on that holiday, and I was looking pretty good there. I posted some pictures. That was my profile picture on on Facebook as well for a while. Like, you know, had some nice app definition, nothing crazy, but I was like lean, l- looking pretty good. And after that, I went to Bulgaria, and I attended this conference where I had the pleasure of speaking as well with the Aesthetics by Science crew. And... Then I um, I was hanging out with these guys that were just in really awesome shape. They had these really awesome fitness businesses and stuff. And I was I shot a couple of selfies with them, and I posted those as well with Mario Tomic, for example, and Nikola Tomov from Aesthetic by Science. And, you know, if you look at those pictures, I had some pretty nice abs. I looked pretty lean. And then it hit me that, well, you know what? Like, I'm looking pretty good now. And if I just got a little bit leaner then, you know, maybe I could get some pretty decent photos. Plus, earlier, whenever I was lean, I always kind of just wasted those periods, and I never took any decent photos of myself. It was always just these super lame gym bathroom selfies with, like, (laughs) this blurry caveman face that I was making on all of them. Like, they were just awful. Like, the camera is misfocused, and the whole picture is just shitty. So let's try to do something about this. You know, at least let's get some high-quality pictures. And that's pretty much the timeline that we're talking about here that I mentioned in the beginning, that that's when I thought that, okay, it's just going to be like four to six weeks, some aggressive cutting, and I will be like photo shoot ready. And yeah, that's when the big surprise came that it ended up being much longer than that. But that's kind of how the whole idea uh, came to life. And that's how it started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm curious, like, maybe let's just get it out of the way. Like, why or how do you think you lost muscle mass? Because... Uh, obviously the math never works out like if you're let's say 85 kilos at 12 percent body fat if you want to drop just to give an exam- example like five percent body fat from there to get to seven like obviously 10 percent of 85 would be like 8.5 five percent would be half of it which would be like four point something so you would then math it out that listen at 80 kilos i would be at seven percent body fat and then you end up at more like 76 or 77, like you said yourself. So why do you think that is? Like, do you really think that you lost muscle? Is that simply just, you know, dehydration or muscle being like, you know, less filled out? Like, because I, were you like 76 kilos filled out or that was the lowest you've seen on the scale when you were digging into these lower body fat levels? Yeah, so a couple of questions there. First of all, it's um, I want to back up what you're saying there because I think it's an important lesson for people that the end weight at the end of a serious cut that you're predicting for yourself pretty much never works out like that. Um, for very elite competitors that are very, very efficient with their bodies and or very good at really just minimizing muscle loss because they are just so familiar with just how exactly they can push the calorie deficit and all of those things. They can get pretty close, but even them, like a recent very good case study is Eric Helms, for example, and I'm bringing him up because in his case, we are working with these very round, nice numbers. So at the end of his um, off season, he was 
around 100 kilos and you know around 20% body fat that's probably a pretty good estimation like he was looking like a big strong not lean but also not like fat like a soft but strong athletic looking looking dude so if you were to make the math like okay so 100 kilos 20% body fat then you know his lean body mass should be 80 kilos like that's a very easy calculation now he ended up 80 kilos at you know, stage condition at the end, like 5% body fat, let's say. So if you do the math, that's like a four kilo difference between the predicted stage weight and the actual stage weight. So it never works out like that. And there are many reasons behind that. Like part of the fat mass that you're losing is is actually lean body mass because fat is not, fat tissue is not purely fat. So uh, that is part of it. So that obviously played into my lean body mass loss as well. To your question whether I actually think that I lost muscle, I definitely did, I think, um, and I think the reason behind that is because simply I was just too aggressive with the calorie deficit at certain times to an inappropriate degree. The reasons behind that are twofold. One is that at some point we lose objectivity. You know, you've been torturing yourself for a good number of weeks already and you're not really liking the process you're kind of just looking for the whole thing to end you want to get out of the deficit and you get into that mindset which you would never advise to a client you know objectively that this is not the right way to do things but you know when you're in that state kind of calorie deprived diet fatigued you're you're getting into that mindset when you're thinking that okay maybe i'm going to lose a bit of muscle if i'm pushing this hard but at the very least i'm losing all the fat that i can potentially lose Versus, okay, maybe if I'm going half as fast, then maybe I'm not going to lose muscle, but I'm maybe I'm not re- losing fat as fast as possible, and then I could be stuck in this cutting phase for another couple of weeks, and that's worse than anything. You're not saying it to yourself like that so explicitly, but that's sort of the thought process, I think, internally, subconsciously. So I think that's one part of the reason. The other part is sort of a practical issue that I run into every once in a while, and that is... When I was in my regular food environment here where I'm living, it was uh, I was actually losing fat or weight fairly slowly at times. And it was like, okay, this is actually a pretty conservative cut apparently. And then sometimes I would travel, go to a different location, and then I would have a different food environment. I would be eating different foods or similar types of foods, of course, like it's still like cottage cheese and fruits and veggies and whatever, but slightly different portion sizes, different times often, you know, like maybe here I would finish my meals at 9 p.m. and then I would finish at 7 p.m. just because it was kind of a different setup. And then I would see the scale weight going down very rapidly, but I could also tell that I had less food volume in my stomach. And I also had different meal timing kind of protocols. So I I couldn't really tell, like, am I losing fat way too aggressively? Because losing, let's say, 1.2% of my body weight that week would have been way inappropriate given my body fat percentage. But at the same time, like, is this an actual tissue loss kind of thing or is just less food in my stomach? So because of these things, sometimes I kind of didn't know whether I should pull back from the deficit or is this appropriate? So kind of accidentally and sometimes semi-intentionally, I ended up pushing just harder than what was appropriate. And that was also part of the reason. And actually, 76 was not the lowest weight I hit. (laughs) I believe I could probably pull it up because I have it all in my spreadsheets and shit. But I think the lowest weight was something like 74.5 or something. Jesus. Granted, granted, though, keep in mind that um, 
I did like a test photo shoot peaking at one point just to see how a carb load would work. Mm. And I did like a week of like basically zero carbs. It was pretty much like a yeah, carnivore yeah. diet. Depletion. Depletion. Yeah, yeah. So the food volume I ate was pretty much, it basically got cut in like a third or into a fourth. So normally I would eat like easily four or five kilos of food. And on that kind of a setup, I would eat like less than one kilo of food and also glycogen loss and stuff. So that wasn't my real weight, but that was the lowest that I've seen on the scale, which was just freaky as hell. And I have pictures of that as well. Like I look, I seriously look like, like a Holocaust mm. victim. Like it is absolutely disgusting the way I looked. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. yeah. Yeah, so uh, speaking of, like, uh, AJ Morris posted a pic of his, one of his clients. He was essentially a Monday um, at the end of a depletion week. And dude was looking like, like you said yourself, like basically a Holocaust victim. Like no muscle tone, no roundness, nothing. Like just, like if you would have seen that picture, you would have been like, does this guy even lift? Like, I guess he has some muscles, but, and then you see him. I don't know, Saturdays on stage filled out and just, whoa, like, dude looks like 10 kilos bigger. Now, I'm not, I'm, I'm sure it wasn't a 10 kilo difference, but it, I guess it, it was for sure it was a four to five kilo difference because the, the contrast was just insane. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and it's also really funny. This is something that uh, I heard from prep coaches before, like Cliff Wilson, that the way you, tune into your body and how your body feels at different states is really discrepant from how you're actually looking. So as you're dieting, you learn to associate being depleted and like super, super flat with being good because that's when you kind of feel that ripped sensation like, oh my God, my skin is so tight. I'm so lean. And then when you're actually taking a picture, you look absolutely awful. And then when you're actually filled out and you have some carbs in you and your glycogen repleted, that actually you look way, way better. But then internally you feel this soft kind of watery feeling. And then you see a picture of yourself and it's like, holy shit, I'm looking good. And it was really funny because I took a couple of pictures at, at the last day of these depletion days. And I, I felt like I was, I was looking good. Like I felt like, man, I'm so ripped. Like this is awesome. And then I saw the pictures and I was like, Man, like I'm not even gonna show this to my girlfriend. Like this is this is absolutely awful. And then uh, when I was getting ready for the photo shoot, and my uh, my girlfriend helped me to like shave my body and you know unhair myself and everything. And that was after like this huge dinner that I had at home with like a whole bunch of fibrous shit. And I was bloated like crazy. And just as as a joke. My my girlfriend took a couple of pictures of me in my underwear and stuff with the, with the bloated stomach, and I looked at those pictures and actually they looked pretty good, even though I was bloated as fuck. I looked like I basically looked like a natural a natural IABB pro with the huge growth hormone gut, you know, <laughs> like like but 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 it looked pretty beefy. It actually looked pretty decent. So it is just really funny how um, you feel internally is just way different to what you're seeing on the outside. But that's just a random comment. Mm. Yeah, you know, this reminds me of, uh, I posted something on Facebook about knowledge and stuff and uh, why I wouldn't take advice from like an enhanced coach or wouldn't hire one. And someone, you know, replied that, that while well, you, you don't have to have done the thing to be able to coach it. And see, this is where I disagree, like, um, especially with something like contest prep, like I, w I could never contest prep someone 
without having done it myself because I just have no like this guy was saying that you know well he could have read all the books and <laughs> you know it yourself like you can read all the books you want like I can read all the books I want about martial arts I'm not going to go out there and fight a professional fighter because I'm just going to get my 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 soul beaten out of me and like I could read all the videos or could watch all the videos or read all the books but in the grand scheme of things you know work has still has to be done and and uh, there is some tremendous value in actually you know feeling it on yourself um speaking speaking of knowledge um i have been saying this for a long time especially to people who you, you know come to me for help like with personal training and stuff like they they think that they lack knowledge or that's why they haven't had results like they don't know what to do and in the end everyone knows what to do like the people who like eat six pizzas a week or you know every night is a donut night or whatever they know that it's probably not a good idea if they want to lose fat but they still still um still don't 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 change anything so you posted a picture from 2017 and you were saying that you know i i already knew a ton of stuff like obviously you have been producing content for a good while now and you still weren't or you weren't looking uh where basically your physique wasn't reflective of the amount of knowledge you had and i i feel like i have i am in the same spot as well right now so i'm curious like what changed since 2017 like you obviously had the knowledge uh to pull something like this off but why weren't you able what do you think were the reasons that were maybe holding you back yeah yeah so that that picture just to give shed some more, more light on this for the listeners so that picture was a, a picture of me from 2017 where i'm i don't know 20 plus percent body fat probably um, kind of smiling on the picture, but I remember how unhappy I was with where I was in terms of my physique and that kind of bled into other areas of my life. And that was at a time when I've been running my own podcast and YouTube channel for maybe like two years. I interviewed like Eric Helms and Mike Isretel and Lyle McDonald multiple times. I read their books multiple times. Like I was a walking encyclopedia and I was making the same slip-ups and, and regressions in terms of my diet. And I was spinning my wheels. And oftentimes, I would fall for behaviors which made me really upset, like falling off the wagon and, and binging and things like that. And what I wanted to communicate with that picture was that now, because in the last maybe two years or so, people always see me with abs, basically. Like, even if I go up in body fat like I did with my Dreamer bulk recently, even at the end of that, if you're looking at it with a very generous eye, you can see some blurry ab definition there. But then I bounce back really quickly to a much leaner physique. And people will sometimes comment under my YouTube videos and say things like, so, okay, Abel, very nice, the things that you're saying, but honestly, have you ever been fat? And then I, I just laugh because I can just pull this picture up or even pictures before that. It's like, yeah, dude, absolutely. Like, I'm not a naturally kind of scrawny kid who doesn't even know how to get fat. Like, that's not me. Those people are out there, but th those are not me. And really what it came down to in my case, and I think in anybody's case who is struggling with that and actually wants to make that shift, is just simply accepting certain lifestyle trade-offs. And I think that a lot of these uh, phrases and a, a lot of these kind of adages that people are repeating 
have been repeated so many times that they're almost becoming white noise, like lifestyle change. It's like, you want to be lean, you have to change your lifestyle. Everybody will just nod and it's like, yeah, 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 lifestyle change is very important. But what does that actually really mean? So in my case, for example, I had to accept that you know, no matter how much I'm reading about flexible dieting or whatever, putting your culprit foods into that cupboard or putting it on the top shelf or whatever, I could read the book Mindless Eating or whatever Lane Norton's flexible dieting book or anything like that a thousand times. I had to accept that if I had peanut butter in the house, at first it will start off with me just rationalizing eating more and more of that peanut butter. Like, ooh, my libido is a bit low. Like maybe I need more fats for optimal anabolic hormone production, you know? <laughs> so I would just eat more of the peanut butter. Yeah. Eventually, it may turn into a binge. And then when it turns into a binge, then I hate myself and that leads to even more binges. If I cook up a whole bunch of rice and calculate everything and say, okay, this should last for about a week and that's how I'm going to get my carbs, that pot of rice is probably going to be gone in three or four days. And then, you know, my weekly calories are fucked up already. And, you know, little things like this that I had to learn about myself and accepting that, you know what, like, it seems like these are my limitations. I can fight them as much as I want, or I can be a pragmatist and I can work with them. So I have not had a single spoonful, tea, spoonful, whatever. I haven't seen a jar of peanut butter in my house for over two years. And I did not have a binge on peanut butter. It's so simple. I don't keep rice in the house for the most part. I'm eating a lot of veggies. I'm eating a lot of fruits, low-calorie berries and things like that. And those are my dessert foods for the most part. And sure, they are not as tasty as maybe some nice, like, cereal or even oatmeal with some bananas in them and some nuts on top or something like that. Like, I could construct a lot more delicious and more yummy meals, but I know how big my appetite is. I know how much I need to eat to feel satisfied, and I'm working with a lot of those things. And I think the big distinction between what I was doing earlier on and what I'm doing now is that beforehand, I was looking at a lot of these strategies as just temporary things that I would do during a cut when I needed to get into shape. And as soon as the cut was over, I was looking for, okay, how can I return to my old behaviors? Like, how can I reincorporate as much of, much of the stuff that I was doing before and ultimately got me fat and stay lean? And ultimately, I had to learn that that is the wrong question to ask. The question is, which of the strategies that got me lean can I maintain for life, learn to enjoy, and which of those are the ones that I just simply cannot sustain because those are just like ruining my life? Those ones do have to go. But as much as I can still maintain from the things that led to success, I need to keep in there. And that is ultimately that made the difference for me. I pretty much forced to learn to like vegetables, learn to like low-calorie fruits, and accepting that, you know, yes, berries with cocoa powder sprinkled on top and some low-calorie sweetener may be never as tasty as ice cream, but at the end of the day, it's something that I can habituate to, learn to enjoy for what it is, and that allows me to be happy with the way I look and the way I feel and the way I, I perform, and that ended up me being actually lean for extended periods for the first time in my life. Mm. Yeah, very. Um, I find myself nodding like a lot of times, especially when you were mentioning, you know, the, oh God, the justifications. Like, uh, I can't tell you how many times I did this. Like, I would, especially since I'm single, 
<clears throat> for the ladies out there. And, uh, you know, when I was living with my girlfriend, uh, former girlfriend, it was easier in a sense because she would have just probably slapped me if I wanted to order, like, pizza in, on a Wednesday evening at 1 a.m. Well, I guess that's already middle of the night or whatever. But now that I'm alone, like, there's no one stopping me instead of just, you know, just my own rational voice inside. But, you know, it uh, just as I do because in those moments you don't really think rationally. Because um, obviously, if we were only rational animals, then we would all know that, listen, what you're experiencing right now is just a temporary uh, craving or impulse or whatever. It's not really going to be or sustainable or rather it's not going to be productive or helpful towards your longer term goals. And tomorrow you're probably going to regret it, which I always do. And uh, it's not a good idea. You should just, you know, go to sleep and whatever. And it will pass. But often I just, you know, I start justifying uh, this behavior. And I think that's where a lot of or too much knowledge comes into play. Because I can stay, say stuff like, no, yeah, it's going to be 3,000 calories. But tomorrow I can eat nothing. Or tomorrow I will eat just 1,000. And then the next day I will eat 2,000. And the 3,000 calories will balance the, uh, itself out, you know. And uh, more often than not, it just doesn't. I end up eating slightly less usually or less but still i don't really eke out that uh net deficit so i still end up like a thousand calories over my weekly uh calorie goal and that's basically what has been uh my uh what has been my my, my past six months maybe summed up like um usually it's like you mentioned, you know, enjoying low-calorie stuff. Like, I, I love fruits. I love, you know it well, like, I love low-fat dairy. Like, I absolutely love making myself these huge bowls of cottage cheese and frozen berries with some sweetener. I love it. But at the same time, I also love those other foods. And uh, if I have these, uh, if, you know, even if my 90%, because, you know, people say stuff like, you, you know, 90% should be good and the rest of the 10% should be whatever, or can be whatever, and you can still be lean. And that depends on what you mean by the rest of the 10%. Because if your perception is, okay, I just eat one donut and that's the 10%, that's a couple hundred calories, but my 10% can be, I'll eat three pizzas because I have the appetite for it. And that's uh, 7,000 calories, or if they are large, like more like 10,000, then that 10% can really fuck up, even though the rest of the 90% is still good. And, uh, you know, I had this same conversation with this colleague of mine who I've shown you yesterday, that picture of he won the IMBA uh, European Championships a couple of weeks ago. He got his natural pro card in the IMBA. And he said basically the same thing, like, listen, I, I don't eat these foods. I, uh, he has some, like, you know, like he says stuff like, I don't eat sugar, but then he eats honey. So, you know, it's whatever you get the point. Like he has these rules or, um, but he said the same thing like, listen, I don't eat those foods and it is what it is. It doesn't really like he, it does, he doesn't just, or doesn't experience it as a sacrifice. It just, it just is, it's just the way he lives his life and he's always lean, um, and I think that's a really powerful message for people out there because we got so, I guess, like you said, you, we got so desensitized with this whole, you know, yeah, 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 life, like, lifestyle change message. But then sort of this IFYM or flexible dieting stuff came into play that, you know, um, you can still eat whatever you want or eat all your favorite foods and you can be successful. And I guess, I guess it really depends on what 
success for means because obviously we are not i guess it's not really the same thing like we are not talking about being at an average body fat level we're not talking about being 18 to 20 percent as a male we're talking about being more like 8 to 10 percent or 12 percent which is a different kind of uh ball game altogether so yeah if you have anything to add that true i know it was a lot of uh, thoughts that just were going into my mind yeah yeah like a, a couple of things so you know i think that whenever you're going through a dieting phase it's it's always a good thing to do to kind of ask yourself at each step of the journey like which of these behaviors are those that i would be comfortable maintaining for the rest of my life and if you're doing things right then for a large portion of the journey for a lot of those, the answer should be, yeah, I, I, I could maintain a lot of these. Like, I remember still two years ago or so, I did a cutting phase, which is kind of like I had this big eureka moment. That's when I discovered mindful eating, for example, when I simply just stopped being distracted. Then I was just like sitting there with my plate at the kitchen table, enjoying my food, not scrolling through YouTube and Instagram and whatever, just experiencing food. I realized how powerful that was. And I realized how freaking easy it is comparatively, of course, to control calorie intake and just how much less I need to eat to feel really, really good. And I was dropping fat at a really fast pace and I was getting down to a pretty aesthetic level of body fat. Like now I know that probably it was not 9% body fat like I thought earlier because now my reference point changed a little <laughs> bit at the end of this diet. But it looked good. You know, I had abs and I was lean enough by pretty much all measures. And at the end of that, I felt super, super empowered because for the first time, perhaps ever, I felt like, man, I found a strategy that I can do this for the rest of my life. And especially if we factor in that now the diet is over and I can add back some more fats, like some more eggs and more salmon and whatever. And like I can have a nutritionally complete plan and I don't need to even pay attention to under eating slightly at all. I can just eat in a small surplus or at maintenance. I can eat all these wholesome, satiating foods. And these meals are amazing now that I'm eating mindfully. Like my leanness issues are sorted for the rest of my life. That's how I felt. And to a point, even during this diet, when I've gotten leaner than ever, I felt like that as well. There came a point where I was like, okay, like these, these things are just not sustainable at all. Like this is something that I'm willing to do until I'm getting shredded or ripped or depending on how strict you want to be with the definitions. But I, I just, I just cannot do this. Like it's, at some point I needed to start tracking because I was just not dropping fat anymore without that. Then the tracking became a bit more neurotic than what was reasonable, perhaps. And that's just kind of a naturally natural consequence of the dieting psychology, I think. And I was starting to kind of live meal to meal. Um, I started to feel lethargic. I, regular hunger during the days became just a regular occurrence, something I needed to accept. I was waking up in the middle of the night, hungry, thinking about food, having to like meditate and listen to some random podcast about football or something to fall back asleep. And that was every night, like sleep deprived, hungry, lethargic, irritable. That, that, that was my normal way of being. And I needed to count my veggies strictly because literally I could have just eaten like raw mushrooms and cucumbers without any salt on it. And I would have eaten myself out of a deficit at some point. So that, that was my day-to-day my -day life. That is not sustainable. Like that is not something that I could sustain. Even after that, you know, when I was out of the deficit, 
it was really incredible that I was still, you know, same leanness, maybe 7 8% body fat. And it was incredible how much better I felt instantly. Like I slept better immediately. My energy levels were way better immediately. I didn't have that heavy leg feeling like before I felt like my legs were just made of freaking lead or aluminum or something like that. Like walking was such a chore. That got better. But still, um, I was still living meal to meal. It was not, not comfortable. What speaks to that uh, actually is I was done with my diet in mid-October or so, and then I was in a maintenance phase, like I was paying attention to maintaining my weight because I was waiting for my photo shoot to come, come around. It was scheduled, and it was all good, but the worst day from those two weeks of maintenance was the day before the photo shoot when I did my carb up, and I was eating like in a calorie surplus, I was eating like 3,500 calories on, on that day. But because all my foods were so low volume, you know, I didn't have any of the fibrous stuff. I just had like cereals and rice cakes and shit like that. And my hunger was through the roof. Like it was awful. Like literally at 8 p.m., I was counting the minutes until I can finally go to bed and wait for the next day to come because I hated it. That is really weird, right? Like you're eating in a calorie surplus, you're eating a ton of carbs, and that's the worst day of the entire process. Like that that's really weird. But that's how that low body fat percentage affected me. So it was really helpful in terms of resetting my reference point in terms of what are habits that are easily maintainable and what are those that are just like ridiculous the overly rigid they just have to go and i think it's maybe one benefit of going through strict fat loss phases every once in a while because you kind of get to reset that baseline for yourself because when you are kind of purposeless you're kind of just like hovering around not really having a clear goal like in your case now like you're kind of at maintenance sometimes jumping into a fat loss phase then stopping it after a couple of days then back into gaining like you're not really sure what to do then it's really hard like okay like pizza is good like these cookies are good like why not have them every once in a while okay i'll make up for it the next day oh okay i didn't um but when you're actually like, okay, you know what? I'll do this photo shoot. Maybe I'm going to hire a coach who's going to keep me accountable. I'm going to be kicking ass for the next 12 weeks. Then you're doing that, and then you're kind of gaining a new perspective on all of these things. And then you're resetting that entire baseline for yourself, and then you can work back for, backwards from there. So, yeah, those are some additional thoughts that I would have on that. Hey guys, sorry, just a short interruption. Mainly doing this because people have been asking me a lot in private messages on Instagram and Facebook and email whether I'm doing online coaching. And the answer is actually yes. Maybe I've been doing a bad job promoting this so far, but in each video description, if you go to the show notes, you will always see a Calendly link there where you can book a free call, where we can chat on a call for up to 45 minutes. We can talk about your goals, what you would like to achieve, and whether or not you and I are a good fit for a coach-client relationship and can effectively work together to achieve your goals in the most efficient way possible. So if that is something of interest to you, then you can check the show notes wherever you're listening or watching this. There will be a Calendly link where you can just book that free call and we can move forward from there. So that's all I had to say for now. Let's continue with the show. Mm, yeah, uh, again, with this friend of mine, we were discussing carving up and, you know, again, one thing you can read from books, but if you haven't been through it, you have no perspective. Like, you know, I was just telling him, why don't you carve up with like, you know, these low, like you said, low fiber, uh, low volume, 
high GI carbs because you know those are the best to refill muscle glycogen and you won't be bloated because you won't have any fiber. And he was like, Andras, listen to me. If I had those foods, like if I had cereal and whatever you said, I would, uh, I would, I would, I would cry, crawl up on the walls. Like I would be so hungry, my insulin levels would like go through the roof, and then they would just crash and. Uh, I would basically have to eat like 10,000 calories of those. And that's why he carves up with like oatmeal and some sweet potatoes, but not too much, mostly oatmeal. Like, he was telling me that uh, in the evening, he also does some water stuff, which I don't really uh, agree with. But anyway, he was saying that he was eating like plain oats, but that that's not plain oats with, with like water. No, just... You know, you get the oats and you just start eating it like a horse. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, no, no kidding, like for real. And he was telling me that he was with some fellow bodybuilders, and he was. They were like, "So, what do you carb up with?" He was like, "Oats." Okay, great. So, how do you prepare it? I eat them. No, but seriously, how do you prepare them with water? No, I eat them. What do you mean? Like, I eat them from the package. Like, no water, no. <laughs> exactly. And and they were like, "What the fuck, man?" <laughs> I mean, dude, the. Um... So when my photo shoot was over, uh, first of all, I hit the gym because um, that day I, I woke up at like 4.30 or something in the morning. I, I just couldn't sleep. And um, yeah, like I, I just wanted to get the, the workout out of the way until I get too tired to do it. And then I went home to my hotel room. And so I didn't have any kind of refeeds or cheat meals or post photo shoot binges or anything like that. But man, I went to the grocery store. And I was so freaking happy that I can buy all the freaking tomatoes and cucumbers and frozen strawberries and all that shit after that awful carb update the day before. And I went home, I put all of that out on the table and I was eating the ham. I don't think I even salted it, just ham, cucumbers. I didn't, I forgot to buy a knife and I was in a hotel room. So I used my key to the hotel room to cut up the cucumbers and I was eating that and I was in a state of like in a trance like it was like a religious experience like it honestly I don't think I ever had a cheat meal or anything like that in a very very long time that felt as good as just loading up on an awful crap ton of fiber after that photo shoot so yeah I I can sympathize with your friend <laughs> yeah yeah exactly like and that's you know it's so hard like um, now, obviously, I, I work with a different set of population, but, um, you know, when I start telling my clients that, listen, eat cottage cheese, and they're like, but that doesn't taste good. But what they mean by that is they doesn't taste as good as ice cream. And they're like, yeah, exactly. But that's the point. Like, you have been eating ice cream up until this point. You're not happy. Like, we have to change something, you know? And, uh, again, this friend of mine was telling me that, uh, you know, and like you said yourself, it's very nice to go through that because you get a new set of appreciation for, you know, regular foods like you don't really appreciate because once you're done with the fatless phase, like even rice tastes good, uh, usually it tastes good, but after you have, haven't have had it in like maybe six to eight weeks, man, does that taste good. You know, the only thing I can, because I haven't been that deep, the only thing I can relate to is when I had, I was an idiot and I, I had a, it wasn't broken, but it was a, I had a whatever fracture, small fracture on my jaw. And I was basically, you know, with wires and stuff. So I was on liquid diet <laughs> for like, for like, I don't know, I think it was two to three weeks. And man, the first bite of food I ate, that 
oh my goodness, I can still remember it. That felt so good. Like you really start to appreciate, you know, just chewing food and stuff when you haven't done it in like a couple of weeks. So yeah, I actually, I actually think that hunger can flat out make dieting easier um, within a, within a decent range. So I think there are two really hard parts of a fat loss phase. One is where one is the beginning, because in the beginning you're basically it's not your body that you're fighting against. It's simply your brain and your habits and your cravings. It's like you just need to, you're so used to maybe waking up in the morning and preparing this nice big whatever bacon and eggs and then some like porridge with this and that. And then in the evening, maybe you have that some frozen ice cream or frozen yogurt or something like that. And then, you know, you need to drop your calories and then you need to switch that up to something that is like not as yummy, not as nice. And then it's like, you have no issues with hunger. It's just your habits or in the back of your mind kind of screaming at you like, hey, like this new thing that you're doing sucks. Mm. Like this is boring. Yeah. Stop doing this. Let's go back to doing something fun. It's just your dopamine receptors are complaining basically. That is really hard. Like that's getting started with a fat loss phase is really, really tough. Like even for like, even for me, like I'm some super big pro, but you know, <laughs> I've been pretty successful with my last couple of cutting phases and the beginning is always the toughest uh, or one of the toughest then there is comes a point where you're starting to get a bit hungry and that's when like if you do an interview with Lyle McDonald that's when he will tell you like fat loss gets harder over time that's what people fail at dieting because unlike drug addiction or alcohol quitting dieting gets progressively harder but actually I find that when you're getting to the point where your body is starting to fight back against you a little bit, actually, you're starting to appreciate eating nice big mouthfuls of low-calorie, nutritious foods. And you're not really caring about your cravings anymore that much. It's like, man, I get to sit down and eat a nice big salad with some lean protein, and then I get to have some strawberries and some low-fat Greek yogurt. Like, this is awesome. And you're actually developing potentially some good eating habits. You're eating mindfully. So your meals are really satisfying at that point. And that's kind of the sweet spot. Like that's where really good results often come. And for many people, they actually don't need to go past that point. Like you can get when you're in that zone, that might be enough to get down to, I don't know, like 12% body fat, like something that looks really good on a guy, for example. Now, when you're going past that point significantly, like I did now, it comes a point where, okay, like, trust me, bro, like, I'm appreciating these low-calorie, low-palatability foods as much as anyone, and I just want to eat more and more and more of them, and I can't because I'm out of the calories, and, and, and that's when, like, legitimately every day is a battle with your own body and physiology, so that's, that's the other end of the spectrum where it's like you don't give a shit about cravings at all at that point. It's like... Some, some Someone mentions pizza or peanut butter to me or, or something like that at that point. It doesn't even register in my brain as an option. It's just like, man, those are just words that you're spitting out that are associated with me not getting to my goal. Like, stop even thinking about it. Like, you want to invite me out for lunch? My thought is not, ooh, like, it's a nice, maybe I can get a break from the diet. Like, I can eat something tasty. It will be okay. Like, I will make up for it the next day. It's like, oh, my God, lunch? Are you trying to get in, in the way of me getting to my goal? Like, you're a threat. Get away from me. I'm blocking your Facebook. Like, that's that's my thought process. But the hunger and the lethargy and the inability to sleep, like, that's the thing that you're actually battling with at that point. So it's, it's really weird that there is, like, this hunger 
and craving sweet spot in the middle of any kind of diet where you're just hungry enough that the cravings are not really an issue anymore and you're in that nice zone when you're actually learning to appreciate eating the not junky overly high calorie stuff mm. i actually wanted to ask you like what were some strategies how do you mitigate like these impulses or cravings i don't know maybe it's just me i get these random obviously that's a habit like that's a habitual thing because if you never ordered like like through food panda or something if you never ordered food at 12 a.m then you have no you know nothing to compare to like i for for example i haven't i have never i never drink so um an alcoholic probably has the same stuff with alcohol. Like I never get a, a, a an impulse to start having some whiskey <laughs> at one in the morning because I n- never do that. But I get this with food. So obviously that's a, a, a habitual thing that I have sort of introduced into my brain. Um, so I wanted to ask, you know, how do you ever get that and how do you manage it? You sort of answered that question with the whole thought process you have. Um, do you think that simply going past through that first stage, like you mentioned, where you are still sort of the old habits are trying you know there's that quote from from a movie that just when i thought i was out they pull me back in uh-huh. do you know that that quote um do you think it's the same like with these habits and you just have to suck it up and uh, get past through that initial phase and it these impulses get cravings get better not worse yeah um so i think it's mainly a matter of getting into into a, a momentum with your diet so I see this with people that um, I'm also I'm not coaching competitors and super elite people. Usually I'm, I'm working with people that just want to get leaner and, you know, overweight, maybe 20% body fat, 25, maybe 30% body fat want to get down to a point where they see their abs, something like that. And initially it's often very tough. And how, for how long is it going to be tough? That varies from person to person. For me, it's like usually the, first week maybe the first two weeks that's where i'm prone to kind of just rationalizing myself into like abandoning the plan it's like i'm doing one week then maybe like i'm going out for lunch with someone and then it's like man i don't want to order like chicken steak in this restaurant and salad like give me some freaking fries and a burger and then i go home and then man i wasn't that fat anyway whatever, I'll just keep gaining or something. And then I abandon the diet. Like that, that tends to happen with me as well. And once I've been doing it for two weeks, if I stuck to something for two weeks, and then I can see, okay, I dropped like a percentage of my body weight already. It's like, man, like I put in this much effort already, like might as well keep going. It's kind of, they call this the foot in the door strategy. Like, you know what, like, let's not even think about like eight week long diets, 12 week long diets. Let's just try to get a couple of good days out of the way. And once you gain a bit of momentum, eventually you get to that point where, you know what, like I poured in this much effort already. Look how far I've gotten. Like, I'm not going to fuck it up now. Like, I I think even like, I know that this varies from person to person. Like for some people, it's just very hard to stay consistent. But even the most, even the person that is the most prone to being inconsistent with a diet and falling off, even that person will have that point where they realize like, man, like I've been crushing it for that long. Like, I'm not going to let this go now. So that point inevitably comes. Now, mindfulness, not just, so the first first is just being mindful during meals. So I've uh, fallen off the wagon, you know, four to six weeks into diets before. And that was always kind of in the odd moment where I just kind of lost control during one meal. It's like I was planning to have this small meal, for example, before my workout. And then an hour later, I was still at the kitchen table, just mm-hmm. like putting more and more stuff on the table. 
and then oh fuck i fucked it up okay where is the nearby grocery store i'll go over there and buy a jar of peanut butter <laughs> like stuff stuff like that happened before and that was uh, before i discovered this mindful eating approach like i was just distracted i was having a bit too much fun during the meal cuz i was eating and i was like jumping from video to video and like oh there is this new podcast that greg knuckles put out let's listen into this oh, mm. listening to it oh cool like i'm enjoying this process of listening to how greg is talking about squats let's pop open an- another can of this whatever thing i was eating and then i kind of ruined the meal then i kind of ruined the day ruined the week and then I fell off the wagon. Once I started eating mindfully, it pretty much never happened in that way, at least. Uh, I still overate sometimes, like, you know, I just went over a little bit. But I have this joke that I like to say that, like, I don't think anybody could pull off a 10,000 calorie challenge while eating mindfully. Like, it's just so incongruent, those two things. It's very hard to do the th- two at the same time. Now, the funny thing is, is that during the diet near the end, um, sometimes in the evenings, I would get, like, very anxious. And I would have these thoughts of, like, man... What if now, like, there's like two weeks at the end until the end of my diet. Like, what if now I lose my shit tomorrow, let's say, and I start binging? And I literally had these fearful thoughts. And during those times, literally just like journaling a little bit. Like, I, I got into a journaling habit. Like, I have a document on Google Docs called Journal or Noplu. <laughs> uh, and I, I just opened that every, or not every evening, but a couple of times a week at least. And I just start, like, I type down the date. And I'm just writing down the thoughts and kind of fears that I have in the moment. And I'm doing that in the evenings. And sometimes I literally had to have these, like, mini dialogues with myself, like, look, like, you crushed it up until now, like, you've been doing really well, like, why would you fall off the wagon? And kind of just, like, doing more and more things to kind of stay present, I think that helps a lot as well. But those are kind of just some side woo-woo things. The biggest thing is, I think, just gaining momentum with the whole thing, just, like, getting through that sticking point in the beginning of the diet, when you're overcoming inertia and you're gaining a bit of self-trust in yourself. Because, like, when you've been repeating something for, like, over... And over again, you know, like if 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 any time you started started a diet in the last year, you know, one week into that, you've at least had one day of the week when you ordered in pizza, then it's almost almost like this Pavlovian conditioning. Like, why would you expect to not order pizza the next time you're dieting? So I think it's kind of like you have to recondition yourself, and that's and that's exactly the place where I was at when that picture was taken that I posted on Instagram. Like, I look at that face, like I'm look at looking at my smiley face there. And I, I, I can recall my feelings and thoughts exactly at that time. Like the worst thing was not that I was looking the way I was looking because that's, you know, I was close to that body composition now at the end of my dreamer bulk, but I was happy in that place because it was like, I did this on purpose. Like I wanted to bulk up. I did that. It didn't cause me any stress. Back in 2017, it was not the problem that I was at that body fat percentage. The problem was that I didn't trust myself anymore. You know, like it was like, man, like, I cannot commit to anything. Like I'm I'm deciding that I'm going to start a cutting phase and 3 days later I'm binging. Like man, I cooked up an entire kilogram pack of rice again and I ate the whole thing tonight. Like what the fuck? And and like this it just keep kept repeating itself and I didn't trust my own self and it was it was terrifying. It was terrible. So it it took a while to kind of get rid of that conditioning and recalibrate my own way of thinking into believing that okay, me, Abel, I'm not a guy who is falling off the wagon constantly. I am someone who, when I decide that I'm going to lose fat, I'm going to lose fat. Like That was kind of a rewiring process, and it took some time, but it can be done. It just takes some doing sometimes. So, mm, Yeah, I can. Yeah, I can. Uh, 
again i, I feel you basically um <laughs> i would i would need to do some contemplation and and work these things out because obviously again it's not a lack of knowledge that's that's the issue um, i've read enough books and stuff so um, i just need to do the do work so just a couple of final questions to end this like i'm curious like how these strength levels hold up during the cut like how much did you lose and was it uh the way usually people tell like many people say that you know past or until the 10 percent body fat level or so it's okay and then past that it just dives <laughs> takes a nose dive basically yeah, so uh, in my case, it was pretty much like that. Um, it like to a point, basically everything went as it as I thought it would when I was like at eighty five kilos or so. Like my my body weight and my estimated leanness was correlating pretty well according to expectations. So yes, like whatever uh, when I was at like nine percent body fat or so or so at least I estimated at the time. Um, I was at the body weight that I thought I would be. Etc. And that, yeah, also to the my strength levels. So to a to a decent point, it held up really well. Like on some lifts, it even increased for a while. And then there came a point where it's just like, okay, this lift, it's okay. This I'm kind of plateaued at the same reps, same weight for a while. Okay, it has gone down a bit now, but relative strength, okay, that's still decent. And in like the last maybe four to six weeks is when it just like everything went to shit <laughs> but and, and also like the thing is again first shred right like it's always the biggest learning experience is there so I'm, I'm sure that if i did this again like let's say the next year which i don't plan on doing because <laughs> i'm not interested in dieting for a long time now but um if i did this again i'm sure that a lot of these things would be a lot better but you know when i did the depletion week for example like Yes, everything went to absolute dog shit, like complete dog shit. So things like that were kind of just like one-off weird things. But yeah, at the end of it, and that's why I'm saying pretty confidently that most probably I did lose a decent amount of muscle because some lifts dropped like staggering amounts. Like, I don't know, if let's say my eight rep max on some whatever random lift was 110 kilos or let's say 105 kilos, I think, when I was 85 kilos then at 76 it would have been like 80 you know so it's not that's still decent is it really though i mean that's in relative strength even that's a really big drop so mm. yeah at, at the end of it a lot of things have dropped but also i should note that i was very I, I became increasingly conservative as in the last couple of weeks so um this is another funny thing which might be fun for the listeners to hear is um i shaved my body um about like a month before the end of the diet. And that was cool, A, because I actually realized that, man, I actually have abs without flexing. Like I never ever saw my abs before. And I think I said it on my podcast at least like three times before on two different guests that, man, I am so genetically cursed. Like I don't have abs if I don't flex, even when I'm very lean. And now I realized like, well, I don't have abs because it's fucking covered with body hair. <laughs> <laughs> so that was a cool thing to experience. But actually, when I, I got rid of the body hair, that's when I just noticed how fucking lean I was, you know, because I saw all these veins just like coursing through my abs and the striations on my chest and even my quads were just like covered with veins. And that's when I realized like, man, 
this is a vulnerable piece of body at this point. Like, I need to be more careful of this. Because up until that point, I was kind of reckless sometimes with my training. Like, I was pushing the volume, pushing the weights like crazy. And, you know, I was, like, not that concerned. It's like, man, it's like, I, I don't look that lean. I can just keep pushing. And I, all of a sudden, I saw just how freaking lean I was. And I was like, man, I, I need to be more careful. Like, this thing can mm. break in an instant. So maybe that played into it as well. Yeah, it probably wasn't too helpful. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so, uh, like, I'm curious. I, I must ask, because obviously that's uh, something that many people think. Uh, how has life changed? Like, do women, women constantly try to rape you? Like, do they just assault you on the street and want to uh, make, uh, you know, make them pregnant and have your babies and stuff? So... Funny enough, the answer to that is yes, to some extent. <laughs> like, I I definitely see, like, in, in the gym, I'm getting a lot of looks. I, I'm noticing that. Um, and I think a lot of that is, um, like, my face looks better. Like, it just has this more, like, angular, kind of nicer facial shape to it. Like, especially when I'm well-trimmed, my head just looks more attractive. Um, even, like, I'm... I'm like Nicolas uh, Cage, I think the name of the actor. Like, I just cannot have a good haircut. But (laughs) even that looks better with the leaner face. And also, I think my body type just kind of looks better when I'm leaner because I'm kind of stockily built. And when I'm leaner, I just look kind of lankier and taller. So I I definitely notice that people seem to perceive me as more attractive. Um, The flip side of that, though, is that, like, when I'm getting these looks from the women, I'm like, well, if you only knew that you cannot use me for anything because I have no interest in sex whatsoever, (laughs) I I have interest in getting home and eating my salad finally. So (laughs) that's kind of the flip side of it. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, um, interesting. I I remember back in 2016, as I'm I did get some more positive attention, but women are also stupid, like... I also got told by by some that I looked unhealthy and what the hell is wrong with me I need to eat something. So so yeah, you can never please everyone. Um yeah, and 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 just like if you have a girlfriend or a lover even or something, she will be way more happy with you if you're actually able to perform and get it up than if you're super yeah. super shredded. So just something to keep in mind. Yeah, like uh if you're doing this for women then that's a bad idea already cuz yeah. Um I, I guess you can you can confirm this or not, but I, I would imagine that doing it for someone else would not get you through those hard days. Oh, yeah. No, 100%. Okay, so one final topic which I wanted to... I sort of you know mentioned to you before we went on air is that what a fucked up perception we have of what's a good physique like you and I and especially people who are in this bodybuilding circle like uh, I was mentioning this to Albert that I showed uh, his picture to a couple of buddies at the gym and they were all like wow what a, what a great physique he looks awesome and uh, to us it's like eh, it's okay but look at so and so look at these top natural pros look how much bigger they are look how much more conditioned they are like who uh, I want to get to that level I'm not really so we, we essentially we downplay our own achievements and I'm curious, like, did you have these fears or were you more, like, objective with yourself and uh, the results you achieved? So, honestly, I was, this time around, I was very, very satisfied with what I achieved. Like, um, I, I don't even want to say it otherwise because I, I looked at some of my pictures. Like, some of them, I have, like, 500 pictures from this photo shoot. And, you know, the angles and the lighting and all of those things can make a really big difference. Um, so on, on some of them, just like a split second difference can make you look like very scrawny and kind of shriveled up. And from another angle, you look pretty big and full. 
So um, of course it still varies, but but honestly, like I when I I trimmed myself and I got a little bit of a tan and I filled up with carbs and I looked in the mirror and I I so like man like this is the look I've always wanted for myself like um, this is this is awesome honestly because uh, be- beforehand I was always kind of like looking at myself with a little bit of resentment because I it's like man I'm putting in so much effort and I still don't have the chest like I don't have the line in between the pecs you know. Uh, I don't have the abs without the flexing and everything. Like, it's just, why does this look so average? Like, are my genetics that bad? And then it was like, oh, okay, so I get the body hair off. I get some good lighting. I get some carbs in me. Okay, I'm still not going to be like Mad Dust Fitness or I'm not going to be like this and that guy. But man, like this this looks much more so to what I would want. Um, that said, of course, like I'm looking at Mad Dust Fitness and it's like, man, if someone told me that I need to cut off my two pinky fingers and like those two <laughs> finger, like my two little fingers from my foot, in an instant I would do it. Like, man, I would love to look like that. Um, but it's yeah, we are pretty fucked up on that regard. And it's also funny that uh, I've been I've been chatting about this with someone that uh, with my mom actually. <laughs> uh, we had a Skype chat the other day, and I told her because I showed her my photos, and I told her that it's really funny how your re- perspective changes and your reference point because I remember being I think 11 years old when I was sitting in the movie theater and we were watching Troy and that famous scene when Brad Pitt takes off his well not shirt his armor because <laughs> he was Achilles and he shows off the body and I was 11 and I re- that specific moment when I thought okay like I am going to look like that one day like I don't know how but I'm going to have abs and I'm going to be jacked. Like that that was the moment when I decided that like that's how I want to look. And that was kind of like my my gold standard like ultimate dream for a long time. And now like I just pulled up as I was talking with my mom about this, I pulled up a couple of pictures from Troy and it's like man, like I am bigger and I'm leaner than Brad Pitt <laughs> in on those photos. Like it's uh, I did it. Like man, I accomplished it. And another- you have been you have been for a long time <laughs> by the way. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like maybe not leaner. I don't know. Like it kind of depends on which angle you're looking at it. Looking at it, but uh, another example like that is uh, Jean Claude Van Damme from Kickboxer. Like I, I remember watching that as a kid, and I was thinking, like, man, like that guy is enormous and huge and just defined to the absolute max. And now I'm looking at it, it's like, man, like I'm, I'm, I'm bigger than him and and leaner. Like he he looks like he's a bit bigger than Brad Pitt, but anyway, it's yeah, it's there is even a phrase for this like range frequency theory, like your where you are in the moment and what you've been exposed to kind of changes your reference point. But it also applies to leanness. Like um, you know, I, I remember, I mean, you can look at my Instagram and the pictures that I posted in April or May. It's like guys, I finished my mini cut and it was not easy, but I didn't expect <laughs> it to be easy and I did it. And now now I'm looking at those photos like man. <laughs> are you not ashamed of yourself like that's 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 fat which is of course also ridiculous like it's man i have a legit like four to six pack there it's just now i have like a six and a half pack now so of course my reference point changed so it, it's just how it goes and we are fucked up but that's just the human condition i guess yeah so i'm looking at the pictures like in the one i sent you he he looks eh whatever like ab definition here he looks. He, here he looks the biggest from this specific angle. But I'll also pull up a picture. Um, yeah, there is one where he sort of has abs. But anyway, it's not really anything impressive. Now, of course, movies have come a long way, and now the gold standard is something like 
uh, Chris Hemsworth or, <laughs> you know, these other guys who are yeah <clears throat> on all sorts of special supplements to pull off these transformations. Okay, so I think we have covered a lot of ground today. And it's it for me at least it has been a very very valuable conversation. I'm sure others will have a lot of value to extract from this. Is there anything you want to leave us with? Any final thoughts? Um, feel free to mention any resources you would like to guide people towards to anything like that. Yeah, I think it's um, I think it's just good to conclude uh, with the thought uh, that. At the end of the day, it will come down to a lifestyle change, like uh, pulling off a dieting phase. That's always going to be one part of the battle. But each te- each step of your diet or whatever transformation journey you're going through now, just ask yourself, like, is this something that I could keep up for the rest of your life? And if the answer to that is no, then ask yourself if that is something that is appropriate given where you are. Because if you're trying to get to something unsustainable, like I did now, like if you want to get down to like an unsustainably low body fat percentage, then it's okay if you cannot sustain that for life. But if you want to get to a physique which you would want to maintain, but the strategies that you're using are something that you're not intending to maintain, then just know that it will be very unlikely that you will succeed at at staying there. So just think about those questions a lot more than what specific macro combination or whatever you should be picking to get your desired body fat percentage in the next eight weeks or something like that. So those would be my closing thoughts. And then, yeah, resources. Yeah, my YouTube channel, if you type in SSDABLE, so S-S-D-A-B-E-L, then uh, you find me there. Or SSD Podcast will uh, get those results too. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much the best way where you can find me. And I will do more videos where I'm explaining how I dieted, how I trained, and what I exactly did to get to the condition that we are talking about here and some good stuff like that awesome well thank you so much for your time it was a pleasure to talk to you as always yeah thank you it's always a pleasure all right guys i hope you enjoyed this episode and if you did then please once again consider dropping a five-star rating on itunes it would mean a lot to me and it would be truly helpful and if you're interested in more cool stuff then you could visit my youtube channel if you type in sustainable self-development podcast there or even ssd podcast it will come up and if you're interested in working together with me then you can check out the calendly link in the show description there you can book a free call with me we can hop on that call chat about your goals challenges determine if we are a good fit and if that is the case then we could be working together going forward to get you to the results that you want so that's all i had to say for today i hope you enjoyed this once again and with that see you next time